This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. Welcome back to the Page Dynasty Podcast. Uh, we are making our way through the 2003 season. We're at week six where the Patriots host the Giants at um, a pristine Gillette Stadium. Uh, and with us this week, we have a special guest. Um, not just Greg Brown on what sounds like a tin can, but we also have our uh, brethren, I guess, maybe. You can wear for it. No. Uh, <laughs> Dave Brown. Well, he's a Brown. Oh, that. I thought you meant like, you know, he has a legitimate journalist job and we have a fake journalist job. Oh, no, no, no. He's, okay. he's much more special. Than we yeah, have. yeah. Another Brown. Yes, so we have another Brown on the podcast for when we do our spinoff, uh, Browns on Browns. He will be joining us probably never, um, but he's joining us this week. So, Dave, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, let's start with the, the obvious question here, Dave. You also love Troy Brown, correct? <laughs> uh, I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't appreciate Troy Brown. Um Good answer. And and I have a and I have a, a jersey for former Giants quarterback Dave Brown. So there was a you know, really Giants the, quarterback the, Dave Brown. Yeah, I don't remember him. What? Oh my god! How old is he? Well, mid nineties. Uh, I want to say so he was probably drafted in ninety two, which um, in the supplemental draft, which was the year the Giants took Strahan in the second round. So or I guess the supplemental familiar. draft would would probably be like 91. Anyway, he was a starting quarterback after Phil Sims for bits. Uh, and he has, I think like a 500 career record. He looks a lot like a young Vinny Testaverde, probably from the pictures on Google, just in a giant's uniform. Yeah. He looks like, like a quarterback, basically <laughs> like a mid nineties like quarterback. Tall. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Although as I'm going through pictures on Google here, uh, one of the articles that has his picture attached is, the hundred worst football players of all time. Uh, that's oh, very man. harsh. That's impossibly harsh. You can't have, you can't just you just can't have played in as many games as he did and hang around the league for as long as he did. Hold my beer, buddy. <laughs> I'll show you mediocrity. No, he was not as good as Eli Manning. No, no. Eli Eli was <laughs> fine. Dave Brown was just not a viable starting quarterback. Eli Manning won two Super Bowls. So it's true. You know, let's not get crazy. All right. So, yeah. So if uh, our listeners haven't figured it out, uh, Dave Brown here is a Giants fan, but I came across him on Twitter because he was, is, I don't know, um, a Patriots beat reporter for the Concord Monitor up here in New Hampshire. Uh, so I guess my first question, Dave, is um, what the fuck? <laughs> how does how did that happen? I'm not sure exactly where to apply um, <laughs> that question, but oh, so you're asking in what? It's a very broad question. Uh, more state of the fact, and then ask that afterwards. Uh, but I think what I can like so a few years ago, 2016, I um, approached the monitor and said, "Look, I I live in Boston. I driving distance to Foxborough." I covered the Pats from 2006 to 2008. 
And, you know, I kind of like, like to pick that up again. Uh, I left journalism, went to law school, became a lawyer and said, hey, you know, in my spare time, I could write a bit about the Patriots. And that's what I chose to do. All right. So how did you become a Patriots writer then? Like, oh, well, or like, I yeah. you from around so I, here and so how did you become a Giants fan? I grew up in Rhode Island where, so I was, um, so I am 41 and there's a good number of Giants fans my age from Southern New England, for sure. Yeah. Uh, there was a time when it was much easier. Like, the games would get blacked out here sometimes. And so it was sometimes. easier to just get the Giants games. <laughs> and, That's um, generous. And, uh, you know. So, so I grew up in Rhode Island, and that's how I became a Giants fan. My dad was from – he grew up on the border of uh, Rhode Island and Connecticut, and much closer in his case, much easier to get the Giants games. So, and, they, and actually, when my dad was a kid, the Patriots didn't exist yet. Um, you oh, know, right. it wasn't until 1960. So, yeah. So he became a Giants fan before he was 12 years old. And, uh, you know, so that's how that kind of got passed down to me. And then uh, I became a journalist. I went to – URI for journalism. I went, uh, went and got a master's degree for Northwestern. And then I, um, I got a full-time job down in North Carolina, which I started, I, I actually, I think interviewed right before this game and then got hired and moved down there uh, at the end of the month. So right before Halloween, I think this game was played like October 5th. And then um, by the end of October, I was living in North Carolina and covered my first pro football game for a newspaper down there in December of that year. So I then wound up back up in New Bedford at the Standard Times, covering the Patriots from 2006 to 2008. And um, yeah. So how long have you been doing the conference? What else can I tell you? So I, I did that from 2016, uh, kind of. Uh, everything's kind of on pause right now because there's just been a lot going on this year, but, um, but yeah. Uh, so, so I went to, um, wait, 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 so wait. kind of a good, you didn't lose your job when the lot, the giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and they were like, so, it's not, clearly cursed. So let me explain something. It is not the job here. of a beat writer. It is not the job of a beat writer to bring home a championship. That is, yeah. we've nothing to do with that. not helping the cause, you know? Yeah, <laughs> a fucking enemy in the room. Right, a Giants fan in the midst. Uh, well, I actually cool. picked the Patriots. I, I picked the Patriots in Super Bowl 42. Uh, I was wrong. A lot of people were. And uh, yeah. it was a very interesting and bizarre experience watching my favorite team win the Super Bowl against people I know. Like, like, right. Oh, yeah. When you watch sports on television, you don't, you tend not to think of um, the players as individuals. And that changes when you're in the locker room every day. And it was in my second year. And, um, you know, having had conversations with these people and knowing them, you know, not, you know, not like best friends or anything, but I'm saying knowing them um, right, to get a sense of where they're coming from and, and to know yeah. that they're feeling the pain of losing this. And, and that hits you in a different way than when you watch on TV. So, um, so yeah, that was a really interesting experience. So you have met Troy Brown and can confirm with yeah. real life experience that he is the absolute man. <laughs> Well, you know, well, thanks Troy for coming Brown, on, Dave. Never... <laughs> <laughs> when, when I met Troy Brown, he had never shaved before. 
What? what? Shaved? Shaved. He never shaved his facial hair. <laughs> no way. He had like a goatee. I found this fascinating because he had like a goatee, like like a regularly formed goatee, yeah. uh, as if as if he had shaved around it. But he never had shaved his face before in his life. It just grew <laughs> and, like that. Um, and I heard that on the radio, and I thought that's right. I know, right? And I thought that's crazy. And I had a conversation with him about it. And um, at first, I thought he was going to be very upset, but he wasn't. He was okay. <laughs> but he, but he sure did he not want to talk about. He, he did not want to talk about it. Like he was like, "Why is this a big deal?" And I was like, <laughs> "This is crazy." I just heard this. I heard this thing, and it was on the radio. And I and I gather people are probably uh, giving you a hard time about it. But I'm just curious because it sounds preposterous to me. I need to understand. And he uh, he walked me through it. He had never shaved before. And then I saw him on TV um, a year or two ago, and I was like, he had no goatee. So at some point between 2006 and 2020, Troy Brown shaved his facial hair for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> took the plunge. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Right. I found this uh. nice glamour shot of him from the first Super Bowl in 2001. He's got a little mustache and just a little tiny goatee. It looks neatly trimmed. <laughs> right but oh, it stays like that that's just how it, it stays like that until that undetermined point <laughs> when Troy brown began shaving his face yeah his uh patriots coach picture he's got no facial hair at all yeah all right fine dave you can stay as long as you got more hilarious troy brown inside <laughs> like that yeah i don't know if you've noticed but we're a very pro troy brown podcast here mm-hmm. again Not- that makes sense he's you know he was drafted in a round of the draft that no longer exists in the eighth exactly. round. And uh, it turned out to be, you know, one of those, like a Julian Edelman type guy who could just do anything he needed when he needed it and yeah. do it well. He was the yeah. original Julian Edelman in that That's mold. True. Yeah. All right. Let's get into this game. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, Dave, did you want to kind of talk a bit about the how you viewed the giants at this point back in 2003 maybe maybe we should start yeah or in a lombardi rating actually oh that's right okay yeah so before we before we do that i'm getting ahead of myself um this game ended 17 to 6 patriots it i think it, uh, it it both felt worse than that and also closer than that i thought um yeah. and- so that makes sense to me yeah, and and Dave, what we do is we give because we watch every one of these games, but we don't expect our listeners to, so we give a a watchability score. Um, because we're asshole Patriots fans, we do it out of six Lombardies, with a half and, point being an AFC Championship and a quarter point being an AFC East Championship. Right. <laughs> um, for this game, I would probably give it. Maybe a two. Well, generous. I'll give Maybe it maybe one and a half championship. It wasn't as bad as that Titans game, but it was it was like that, but we actually won it. It was sloppy. It was the sloppiest game I've seen ever since we started doing this. Yeah, maybe ever. Yeah, it was it was rainy. The field was a mess. It, it was a pigsty. So many turnovers, so many penalties, so many drop passes, so many f- just everything. 
missed field goals or what? One, two, three. Oh, three at least. Three missed field goals. Three missed field goals all in the first half. Yeah. And then they just stopped going for field goals because fuck it. <laughs> it wasn't even that windy out. No. But uh, yeah, so I would give it a one and a half. What about you, Steve? Like I said, an AFC championship, and that's maybe being generous. It's just a just a half a point. One of the All right. only because he won. Greg, did you watch this one? Uh, no, I did not. I don't blame you. From the bits I saw, I mean, a it's a crazy weather game. You guys don't like crazy weather games? It wasn't like I do. Crazy but this wasn't a good. I like one. This was... sloppy. Yeah. Sloppy's yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it can be good, but this was like Brady was. One for nine with four drops in the first half. And seven it, yards passing in the first half. Yeah. It was just bad. Yeah, that's crazy. You don't see that every day. That makes it kind of watchable. I don't no. like the games where he's like, you know, 15 of 25 for 198. Like that stuff's boring to me. I like when some weird stuff happens. Well, that's then rewatch fair. this game, Greg. Come back to us and be like, wow, that was yeah. a really great game to watch. I'm glad I sat there. Ra- the Ravens game was an excellent watch. Yeah, that game was way better than this game. Yeah, this game was it not that game. Oh, and it was fucking <laughs> because it there was like, no like execution. Was a, this game was the problem. Yeah, not as sloppy in like the weather and the field, yeah. but like just the penalties and the drops and just yeah. bad football. Yeah. What about you, Dave? How did you view this game as a Giants fan? Matt Chatham scored a touchdown in this game. You guys have no appreciation <laughs> for how great this was. Oh, what? Well, <laughs> We're gonna, like, we'll get to that because that's why it got a two from me because okay. uh, a friend of the pod, Matt Chatham. I'm I'm not done. I'm I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> All right, let's go. So, so you've got that. You got the defensive touchdown. The Giants turned the ball over twice in their first three offensive snaps, and I'm Correct. sitting there like, "Yep, that's what watching Gi- the Giants was like every week at this, <laughs> at this stage of the game with Kiki Barber before." Um, Tom Coughlin came in and really Not fixed Kiki Barber. Okay. Yeah. Like, like he, this is like his fourth or fifth fumble of the year. And what is this? The fourth or fifth game of the year for the Giants? The fifth he's game. Okay. Right. Like every he week. changed his style. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And, 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 you know, Coughlin came in, he fixed that. Um, but at this point in the game, that's what it was like. And watching, like one of the things I thought about coming into this game was, 2003 is the year that Belichick says they figured out that Tom Brady was not just a good quarterback, that he was really one of the best in the game. This is the year when they start to figure out that he's special. And I was like, man, I really want to see what's going on with like Brady before he wins his second Super Bowl, right? Because at that point in the game, no one expected 2001. He leads Mm -hmm. the league in touchdowns in 2002. What's going on now? And in the first half, he was awful it was just terrible and i was like i've never seen brady play like this never it was bad never have i seen this and bad and they and they worked it out they they got better in the second half but it was a a wet gross he was playing with the glove Um, there's been a lot of glove gate in all these years which i all 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 2002 was uh like every time he had a bad game the announcers would bring up the gloves immediately because nobody ever plays with gloves anymore and yada 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 Jeremy Shockey was in this game. Jeremy Shockey was Gronk before Gronk. Like, like he was. Gronk is sort of like a more like they they rebooted the Jeremy Shockey character, and that's Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, they made him a little more lovable. Better. 
Yeah. Jeremy little, Shockey was little like more polar. dynamic receiver. You know, like you don't like, think he's more like, of a, like Shockey. a Travis Kelsey. He, he mm. felt to me like a Travis Kelsey, oh, like that cocky. Yeah. I mean, when Gronk, I mean, I, I, I'm seeing the exact same thing. The stuff about remember after Super Bowl 46 when Gronk was dancing at that party and people were like, "Oh, look at this!" Right, the guy just lost the game. He's not dancing. Yeah, Jeremy Shockey. That was a Jeremy Shockey story, practically. Okay, if you had said it was Jeremy Shockey, right now it'd been like, remember after the Super Bowl when Jeremy Shockey was dancing? I'd be like, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. guys who like to have uh, the, the stories about them. You know, it's like prodigious drinkers who like girls and are tight <laughs> ends who can block and and catch passes. Very similar. So Jeremy Shockey's out there, and for me. You know, I know, like, these are the two football teams that I paid the most attention to in my life. And mm. just so much going on that I thought was fascinating. Um, but if you really want to understand how the 2003 Patriots were so great, I mean, this game kind of, they just kind of suffocated the Giants. They let the Giants make as many mistakes as they could. I was shocked at how many penalties the Patriots committed but especially in the first half is kind of a disaster but um i don't know there was a lot for me to like in this game now this was not like the 2018 afc AFC championship in kansas city it wasn't that no but you know it was a pretty good like i would give it like a three and a half out of six okay that's which on the which on the giant scale is a two and a half out of four (laughs) fair enough (laughs) all right (laughs) I like that he translated. I agree. I agree with Dave. Uh, Dude, you didn't watch it. <laughs> sure, I did. <laughs> I watched the watched prime the time highlights. Yeah, there was prime time highlights of this. I couldn't find any. There sure was. Oh, all right. Wow. Have to send me the links I can put on the website. But yeah, um, I also I, I had a bone to pick with these referees because on top of like no. how. You? sloppy the game was like they were just it was the the wrong game to call ticky tack penalties and that's what they were doing the entire game so even on like the one few times that there was like an actual play that was made there was like a troy brown oh, shit. like long completion right down the middle like towards the end of the game where like they converted a third and 18 and there was like this like ticky tack holding call on it and there was a couple others like that too. Like every kick return that made it outside the 20 got called back. And every time they, even the, even the announcers who I enjoyed in this game. They were okay. uh, I liked, I liked you know, uh, Daryl Johnson. Moose. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry to interrupt you, Andy, but I don't know if you heard me. I just had an epiphany there. What? I, you know, the Chris Bermanism, Amani well-dressed tumor. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, how would a tumor be well dressed? Oh my god, Steve! And I just figured out it's like Armani, like the suit manufacturer. Yeah. God, uh, I'm 33, oh and I have been hearing that like Chris Berman does it forever, and I never, ever fucking got it until now. And it's so obvious. Did you know "Bad Moon Rising" is actually a song? Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> okay, let's check it. God, how did I not? I was like, like, was a tumor? Why would you admit? out loud on a recording that you don't understand Chris Berman references. Oh, oh that's you obviously have not listened to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that is tame for this thing. 
Oh yeah. <sighs> also, none of us have any shame. No, no. I, I have. How do you? Emotion. How does one become shameless in a podcast about uh, early dynasty Patriots football games? You just watch enough of them, and it just leaves <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, it's it's a, it's more of a sense of entitlement, I that? think, more than anything. <laughs> we can get okay. away with anything. All right, I get that. <laughs> yeah. that that's making a lot of sense. Me. You know, who cares? Yeah. But yeah, let's talk about uh, Moose Johnson because I think having former fullbacks commentate games is a great idea because well, you got so much like fullback oriented uh like commentary and insight that was amazing i felt the two regular guys eh, take it or leave it you know who was awesome in this game goose, goose. <laughs> i forgot about goose on the sideline tony oh yeah tony saragusa he was so fucking good he wasn't he was Look, he was so awesome. bad, he was good. No, he was awesome. He the, When he's standing in the end zone after they come out a second and a half, and everyone's like been talking about how they need to get him a coat. And he's like, yeah, I had a coat. But then the, the fans here started shitting on me, so I didn't put the coat away. And he's yeah. wearing t-shirt. Calling him soft. Oh, oh my God. And then there's this guy. One. This guy needs – I hope he I hope he sent a thank you letter to David Chase, who created The Sopranos. Because this is around the time when The Sopranos was really popular. And so kind of like a, like a fat Italian guy on the sidelines, like really <laughs> hamming it up. Like he looks like he should be. I, he Was he even in an episode of The Sopranos at some point? Because no it's like he's filling this idea in our heads of like some like a New Jersey tough guy. And on that. at one point in this, well, at one point in this, he gets into an argument with Moose about whether coaches should tell the teams to, um, you know, try to win three out of every four games. Yeah, I'm, and I was on team. And he's like, you should never, he's like, you should never acknowledge that losing is possible. And, right. and Moose is carefully walking him through. Where, where did you all come out on oh, I was this great team, debate? Team Goose, 100%. You know, Bill Belichick doesn't fucking – plan to lose like well guys well we break the quarter the season in a quarter is we'll go three and one each quarter and then we'll end up 12 and four it'll be great no no yeah because the first question is all right coach who are we gonna lose to this quarter exactly which game you expect can you explain can you explain what the argument was so moose was saying he was talking about the giants and jim fossil was a coach at the time Mm. and how they broke the season into quarters. They said, if we can just go three and one each quarter, you know, we'll, we'll do our jobs. So they're, yeah. they're breaking the game, the, the season into four game chunks and saying, okay, well, who are we going to lose to and who are we going to beat? And I don't know if it was that. It was just like, it was more of just like, yeah, if, if we're going to, if we can go three and one each quarter, like we're, we're doing our jobs. And if we do our jobs, we'll make the playoffs. And Goose was like, and, why and the Goose fuck was would kind you? Of saying, but yeah, that, why not beat everyone? Yeah. Why not plan on, on going 4-0 each quarter? And Moose is saying, now both of these guys have won Super Bowls. Right. Uh, Moose did it with the, with the Cowboys. And Moose is saying, look, when I was with the Cowboys, we used to talk about things like this. Like, win all of your home games and try to split on the road and you're 12-4. Yeah. and four. Or, mm-hmm. we, you know, win three out of every four. Win every quarter of the season. Yeah. I happen to think that neither of these approaches 
I don't think either of these people are crazy, but I think the approach, and I think what what we've seen be successful in Foxborough, is we're not going to sit here. Exactly, we're going to want to know this. We're going to focus on winning this game. We're going to do everything we can, and then when the game is over, we're not going to worry about whether we won or lost it. We're yeah. going to focus on the next one. Yeah, that's we're going to go one and zero next week. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but yeah, it's a hundred percent right. Yeah, and that's I think that's the di- so actually. I thought that was kind of one of the differences between a coach like Bill Belichick and a coach like Jim Fossil. Before we so, get into the Jim Fossil bashing, I've got one more note on Goose here. All right, give me that Goose note. Actually, you know what? I'm going to save it for my best. Okay. Um, yeah, so so Dave, how did you feel about Jim Fossil as a head coach? So, first of all, whoever put together your show notes, um, these are really Great. Like there's so much information in here. <laughs> wow. Someone well, actually I, read I, them. I, really, <laughs> You're the yeah, first person to read them. Was, <laughs> it, it, it really like, like there's stuff in here, like the whole giants draft from 2003. And I'm like, Oh my God, yeah. this draft was exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, they got three pro bowlers in this draft, but, um, but okay. Let me focus Ooh, on, uh, uh, you're not allowed to say one of their names. <laughs> Oh, well, he was our he was our Matthew Slater. Yeah, yeah he had true. two close block kicks in this game. Yeah, so he was a special teams pro bowler. David Tyree, is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, because I, um, I saw that too, and I was like, he made the Pro Bowl. Uh, so I didn't realize he, he made a yep, special, special teams team. guy. He had almost two block, and also OC OC Omanura and David Deal, who was their tackle. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, but okay, so the show notes are great. I will say this. I have one bone to pick. The show notes say that Jim Fossil was a mediocre NFL head coach, as most yes. giant coaches are. <laughs> now, look. Okay. First of all, <laughs> yeah. this is like, I'm, I'm interested yeah. to see where we're yeah, going. Remember, we're talking about the dynasty. Well, he's just comparing him to what he knows. I'm trying to decide. If, if Jim Fossil was mediocre, I mean, he coached for, I think, seven or eight years with the Giants, which is a good run. He went seven to a years. Super Bowl. He had three winning, what, three winning seasons, uh, which isn't great. That's pretty mediocre. His record's slightly above 500. But coming into, like, what you have to understand about the Giants is that, like, coming into this season, you, you could look at Fossil and Belichick and – genuinely ask the question, if you had to hire a coach right now, who would you hire? And after the year 2000, most people I think would have said Fossil because mm-hmm. he was just coming off uh, a run to the Super Bowl where they lost to the Ravens. He had a better record than Bill and Bill has come off like a five and 11 season. Uh, and then after 2001, Bill wins in yep. the championship in 2002, the Giants make the playoffs, and the Patriots don't. So it's heading into this season. So I don't, I guess what I'm saying is my idea of a mediocre coach in the NFL is a little worse than possible. He accomplished a few things. That's fair. But his whole, like his whole career falls apart in this season. Yeah. He's is never the same for him after this. And this season is sort of like, this game is sort of like a microcosm of that season where the giants played, the giants played one horrible half in almost every game that year. And their season yeah, was like, they, they, get, they get to four and four when they beat the Jets in week eight. 
So yep. the Giants lose this game, but then win two of their next three, and then they lose the entire last half of the season. This yes. is their last eight games. Goodbye, <laughs> Kerry Collins. Goodbye, Jim Fossil. Hello, Tom Coughlin. And hello, Eli Manning. And Kurt Warner. Oh, yeah. Right. But but so, so back I, in 2000, I like when Fossil. they win the Super Bowl, right? Is that is yeah. that uh, Fossil or is that Sean Payton and John Fox? Because those were his two coordinators. Right. Yeah. And good coordinators, That's, right? Good coordinators. They make the and argument a lot of those guys. Yeah. But it takes, look, I mean, Bill Parcells never won a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick. Correct. That's uh, went to It one. takes, look. There is no one or two people that make a championship happen. It really is 53 people. And, you know, to be the head coach and to put that team in that position, and by the way, he hired those coordinators. Mm. I, I can't, I can't discredit Jim Fossil. However, you know, did he do a good – now, one thing that Bill Belichick has done is that whenever there's turnover, for 20 years, he has managed it pretty well. Jim Fossil yeah. did not replace – as those guys left, Jim Fossil did not do a great job of replacing them. And, you know, I, I think the Giants kind of ran into a wall with the salary cap being what it is and not really being able to, you know, avoid the mistakes that they were making in this game. Uh, you know, and then it just became time for a reboot because if you're, if you're star running back – who it was pretty good. If he can't hold on to the football, if he's losing it every single week, you're not going to be yeah. too successful. Yeah, that's a perfect segue into like the microcosm of that is they gave a big speech, I guess, and I'll all talk about, you know, increasing game toughness and Tiki Barber and the coach. Yeah. And some, oh, I have that. Hang on. guy gave a whole speech on it. And the, the announcers are like, this is like top of their list because it's 12 minutes into the, you know, they're into the game at 1231. And I'm going to play it right now, Andy. Yeah, I'll, I'll here. Here's the, the actual clip. I thought this was hilarious. With an interception, but Tiki Barber, when he talked about the team underachieving, one of the things that he felt they lacked was game toughness. And, and I asked him about that, and he said the definition of that is, is being able to take advantage of opportunities during the game and capitalizing on mistakes. And the Giants did that. The defense comes out. They overcome the adversity of that opening drive. Now it's the offense's turn, and we'll see if they've increased that game toughness that he wanted to see him have. Tiki lost the football. Matt Chatham takes it in for a touchdown. So, Shout I mean, out Matt Chatham. Yeah, absolutely perfect timing by the commentators oh. to bring that up right then. God, the segue was just beautiful. Beautiful. Like, you couldn't have scripted that any better. Yeah, it's almost like he knew Tiki Barber was about to fumble for a, a scoop yeah. and score. Well, let's see what the offense can do. Oop, they fumbled in. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about being mentally playing mentally tough, and let's uh, yeah. Now the offense needs to step up and, and be mentally yeah. tough here. Nope, and they to provide the even more context, they threw an interception on the first play from scrimmage. Right, yeah. Patriots turned into a missed fucking field goal. Right, so they got the ball back and go, oh, no harm, no foul, and then fumble it in. <laughs> Chatham's yeah. like, you know what, I was doing myself. That was those the two offenses were so inept on their first three series, and. <laughs> um, and the Giants just – that's what was so dispiriting about the Giants around this time was like, you know that the ability is there. 
you, you watch this game. You watch these horrible conditions. They moved up and down the field, no problem. Oh, and yeah. then what happened? You're, the kicker got hurt the week before. So they've got some guy they signed off the street missing everything you know, on grass. These aren't easy kicks, but, but no. you know, they're stalling and, and they're just not getting the ball in the end zone. Tiki Barber falls down in that awful grass that they ripped out three years later. Yeah. Um, There's a, uh, the, but, that's kind of stat four drives within our 35 yard line and got zero points out of it. Yeah. There you go. Well, I mean, to, yep. to your point, yeah. about, I think this is the first half. Um, they, they showed a stat about ball control. The Giants had 40 plays for 190 yards in about 20 minutes of offense, of possession. Patriots had 20 plays for 30 yards in under nine minutes. And we're leading seven to three. Yeah, and the Patriots <laughs> are winning seven to three going into the half. Yeah, they missed field goal, the boot. Yeah. Because the Giants missed two. Yeah. Also, yeah, I mean, Jim, keep in mind, also like, deserved to get, you deserve to get Jim fired deserved. after this season. That, yeah, it's atrocious. Of course. You went from the third the third ranked defense in terms of points in 2002 to 29th in 2003 and their offense like was worse they were third in the 30th in the league they lose eight straight to finish the season and this is basically the same roster that you went to the super bowl with so yeah. it's hard to blame the players there because clearly they have the talent so when when you see numbers like that you kind of have to be like all right this is this is a coach you know yeah. Um, yeah. I, it, whatever was going on, it wasn't working anymore. And you have to, if you look back, the the Giants 2002 season, the end of it was horrible. They had a, let's see, they were up 28-14 on the 49ers at halftime. And I think it was up to 38 to um, – Sorry, I'm looking at this. Was that it was 38 to 14 in yes. the playoffs with four game. minutes and 27 seconds left in the third quarter. Okay, 38 to 14 is only one mm. point less than 28 three. That's a good point. Okay, it's a 24 point deficit with four and a half minutes left in the oh. third quarter at San Francisco. And I mean, it was. I remember thinking every single time being like all they have to do to win this game is get this first down or make this stop. And it just never happened. I had the same feeling in Indianapolis in 2006. Well, let's unpack this, Mr. Brown. Do you ever wish you were a Patriots fan and not a Giants fan? No, actually one of the things, one of the things that's been great is that. I can observe the Patriots. I think that they're sort of like they're run like a model organization and what the rest of the league should be doing. I can go and be passionate and throw things and, you know, (laughs) be emotionally invested in the giants. And then I can watch the Patriots as sort of like a clinical exercise and be like, everything (laughs) they do is fascinating. But you never like, I wish you guys did this, you know, like, Oh, of course. There's plenty of things that I wish. But, and that's part of it, is that understanding yeah. – like when the Giants traded Odell Beckham, I felt good about that. I felt like this was a situation where um, I, I felt like Belichick would have done it actually much sooner. Because mm-hmm. he did yeah. it with Chandler Jones. Yeah. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trade him – rather because like, the Giants re-signed 
Odell Beckham, which was a little silly. Yeah, uh, they should have traded him and, and gotten something in return before they they, they want to losing some money, um, some dead money on that. But it's the kind of thing where when the Giants do something smart, I recognize it and I say that's something like with the that's something the Patriots would do. <laughs> and when they do something that's just like when they when they get stuck in the draft, and they and the guy they want, Brandon Scherf goes to Washington. They like panic and take Eric Flowers. And he was a complete disaster. And the Patriots oh, don't was. do that. Oh, they yeah. don't just be like, okay, what do we need? And who's the best on the board? What the Giants need to do in that situation is what the Patriots would do. The guy I want isn't here. D3. Trade down. Yep. Trade down. You hear that, correct? If, if the thing that you want is there, trade down. And Jerry <laughs> Reese, who was the, was the general manager before Gettleman, Never once in the time he was there, never once did he trade down. Oh my god. Hmm. In the draft. You you all don't know. Like you all don't know how great you have. Well like, we, what you're watching. Talk right to a now, Lions fan. We have a we have an idea of how that's bad true. it could possibly no, you, no, you know what it is? Them, but we don't know. No, you know what it is, is is we get to doing this podcast, we get to it's a, like a clinical exercise when we talk to fans of other that's teams. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I hope that therapy session. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing that strikes me is, I mean, I think that I think the Giants, Seattle, and Pittsburgh are the only teams other than the Patriots who have won. And tell me if I'm wrong on this. I believe those are the only. Oh, because no, Seattle didn't win another one. It was just Pittsburgh. It's Pittsburgh, the Giants, and the Patriots are the only three teams that have won two championships or more in the last 20 years. Does that sound right? Uh, uh, sounds, sounds right off the top of my head. Rave. Bins. They won in 2000, right? Yes. No, well, right, because I'm starting the year after. But even if you want to agree, right? Go ahead. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah but, either and way. And, Point stands. And, um, and I'm starting with 2001. But, but what okay. about the Bills? What? <laughs> <laughs> Don't throw me off. Stiz. I could do another yeah. hour. Bill sometimes. Giants. But, but here's, I, I did not know that thing. Patton was an ex-giant. Oh yeah. How did I not know that? Yes. Did you like this game was 17 years ago? Was he like any good when they first had him? And like was it like a West Welker, Miami yeah, Dolphins where like, everybody knew he was good and they let him go anyways? Mm, no. I mm-hmm. wasn't like that. He was good. Like he's fine. There you go. Um in these games, like Patton's but, like legit. Yeah. Now him and Dion Branch is like early Dion Branch and I guess it's probably late stage yeah. David Patton are both pretty fucking solid. Um Yes, I don't disagree. The, the point I'm trying to make here, though, is that you have um, the Giants will win. The Giants of Pittsburgh, they both win like two championships over the next two decades while the Patriots are just dominant. But, but in between Super Bowl appearances, they have a 4-12 complete and total meltdown disaster. So they went to the Super Bowl in 2000, and then seven years later, they're back. But the road in between is much different than what you had with the Patriots between their win in 2004 and then the next one in 2014. Right. They never. Where you're always feeling like you have a chance to win the Super Bowl. No one else feels that way. Right. No one else feels that way. No, Lions fans do up until about week two. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. From from what we've learned. And after the draft. Yeah. Uh, I get you saying, you know, our, our, yeah, our, uh, our 
opinion of that lasts longer through a season than the most fans, I think. But the flip side is it's even more devastating as we saw the entire New England region melt down when the Patriots got that four game losing streak recently of like, this is the end. Everything's going to be terrible. And the yeah, rest we, we have no idea how to handle adversity. Relax. Yeah. No idea how to. And suddenly adversity. now, now suddenly you guys are having a kind of fun that you don't normally experience where the Patriots went out and surprised you by beating the Ravens. Oh, yeah. I was, We're I was a believer. I was not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But okay. <laughs> okay. Well, well maybe you weren't, but a lot of people that's... were, a lot of people were surprised I agree. and yeah. rightfully surprised. Yeah. And, and the Ravens came in and they're supposed to win that game at six and two. It was a so, weird feeling. You know, I think the guy on that, and, yeah, we're definitely going to win. But isn't it? I mean, there's some. There's a little bit of fun to it when it's like when the team proves to you that it's going to be competitive. When the team comes out and says, when the team comes out and shows you, you might, you know, you might not have been aboard with where they're going. You might have worried, been worried about where they're going. But now you have a little bit of reason to say, hey, this team could be competitive this year. Yeah. Let's well, see I, how things go. And that's yeah, fun. I, I, I've talked about that too, where. Uh, the games where Brady hasn't been the starting quarterback recently, like when he had his four-game suspension and then this year, I felt differently going into games that I haven't felt in a while because as long as Brady was there, going into a Patriots game, the expectation was that the Patriots were going to win. And then if they didn't play up to that expectation, you got a little frustrated because even if they did win, it wasn't the win that you expect them to have. But now... You don't have that. Yep. You're free from that expectation almost. So you can go in and be like, I have no idea what's going to happen if you start Garoppolo week one because, I don't know, never seen him play. This could go anyway. And then they win. And you're like, oh, this is a great feeling. I'm surprised by it. So it's, I think that exactly. is something that, I mean, not to sound like a huge dick, but that's something that Patriots fans haven't been able to experience in a long time, for better or worse. No, it's true. It's 100% true. I mean, the losing sucks, though. <laughs> we could do without that. Sure, Luckily, we have true. we have a podcast where we're uh, at the we beginning of a, a twenty-one of, game win streak. So. A lot of wins ahead of us. Yeah. <sighs> let's get back to this W. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I I wanted to talk about the fact this was on Fox because you don't see a lot of those games. Only mm-hmm. usually when they play the NFC East, it feels like it's a, it's always like a Giants or Cowboys games when the Fox guys are here. Um, and I forgot how much a Fox broadcast feels like a commercial for whatever's coming up next. In this case, it was the ALCS game yeah. four. Dude, they would not leave oh that alone. Any fucking chance they got, they're like, oh, by the way, guess what's coming up? It's like, yeah, we yeah, know. You, you told us 30 seconds ago. From there. Yeah. For a, for a game that got rained out. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the game that night. So, so I uh, host a, I co-host a podcast called Entitled Town. Yes. With uh, with my co-host Iron Mike Irons, who you may know from Twitter as at this place or wait uh, at Ironhead three three four. This place Bostonian is is his handle. Yeah. Um. And he was at this game. He was at the Patriots game. Oh no! Shit. So was the I. Giants. Actually, you were. At this Giants game. Yeah, what? I completely forgot. But yes, I was I was sitting in the rain. I went with one of our parents and I got told to sit down because I wouldn't sit down in the game in the stands. The guys behind me told me to sit the fuck down. By who? How old were you? The guys the guy behind, behind me. You? Uh, yeah, in 2003, I would have been 
1819, maybe 20. Yeah, you should totally get cram it up his cram hole. Yeah. yeah, I think it was like me and mom. So See, I was about to wet, tell so, some randos behind me to stick up their cram hole with mom sitting well, next to me. But I, Ironhead was telling me that he had also had tickets to the, the ALCS game. Oh. Hiked up to Boston, ate at the McDonald's in Dedham, <laughs> and then raced over to Fenway, got there just in time for them to pull out the tarp and say, sorry guys, not tonight. Oh, so brutal. He couldn't and he couldn't go. The next day with being a Monday, he could not go. Right. That sucks. Uh, it wouldn't really matter because the Red Sox would not win that series. Well, I gotta talk about that. Aaron Boone series. Yep, that's 03, baby. But this, they were talking about the the game before. I think it was game three. There was the bullpen altercation, which I don't know if you guys remember. I remember it like when I jogged my own memory. But there was a, uh, I think it was after the game. There was a fight between a Fenway during the game. I believe. Was it? I, I don't remember. It was always a ground screw member. Because the bullpens, the bullpens emptied. Something started. Oh, I don't remember how the fight started. It was, yeah, it was it, Jeff Nelson. Nobody seems to know. Yeah. One of the clubhouse workers. Something started in there. And then the bullpens emptied. And somehow, Pedro and Don Zimmer square off. And Pedro, like, grabs Zimmer. So Zimmer, for oh, whatever reason, game. he's like 100 years old. Yeah. He's like 100 years old at this point. He goes and charges Pedro. Charge Pedro, Pedro like, I remember that. Grabs him by the head yeah. and throws him on the ground. Like, and it looks up like, what, me? But yeah, that was so good. Man, it was a scene. That was a wild game. And I remember I where I was time. during. I didn't even remember this, this particular football game. But that baseball game, I remember where I was when I watched it because it was completely insane. <laughs> yeah, but like, apparently. Two Yankee relievers beat up a grounds crew member who, according to this New York Times article, the ground crew member Paul Williams went to Beth Israel Deaconess Hospital at about 8.45 p.m. Saturday and, re- and was released early Sunday morning. He left wearing a neck brace, the Associated Press said. <laughs> Jesus fuck. Fucking Yankees, man. Bunch of oh, thugs. Reds- Here you go. The Red Sox accused Yankees relief pitcher Jeff Nelson and right fielder Kareem Garcia of attacking Williams. Mm. Kareem Garcia was a thug. I remember him Wilson's being a bit a of a, a dick. Yeah. This is the but, height of the Yankees Red Sox rivalry. Oh, the, yeah. This was, memory. this was the peak of it. Yeah. And Fox was all about promoting it. Yeah. Speaking of well, the rightfully Sox, so. Actually, oh, I have a, uh, I, have, <laughs> uh, I have a, a goose clip because he was talking about, um, Walking around Boston after after that game. Ah, oh, yeah, this oh is gonna God. be my. This is gonna be my. Yeah. As we yep. check in once again with Tony. You know, I was a little hesitant about coming to the stadium today. I was walking in the streets of Boston last night, and I saw about 25 fights. I was really impressed by the way the fans have really handled themselves. So I asked the police officer if he was, you know, concerned about anybody jumping out of the stands, sort of like we saw with the Red Sox game. And he says, if anybody gets out of hand here, we not only throw them out of the stadium, but we take their season ticket away and resell it. So I was wondering, I looked up in the center and I said, well, <laughs> all these people are pretty calm because they don't want to get hit in the pocket. It was pretty neat that he told me that. 25 fights last night, huh? Yeah, I saw a taxi driver get beat up. 
<laughs> I wanted to jump in, but I was full. I wanted to jump in, but I was full. <laughs> that was my point. I was full. I was because I didn't understand that. I didn't understand what he said, and he said I saw a taxi driver get beat up. I wanted to jump in, but I was full. Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean like he was too busy? Like he was like he was. I think he just like ate. His hands were full. Like his. What no, that no. Mean? He just eaten dinner. And, he just came uh, out of. He just came what? out of that. Uh, yeah. That Italian joint, and he was uh, he was stuffed to the gills. Oh, oh my god. Shit. That was gonna be my best, Andy. Great to fucking oh, ruin it, dude. So good. <laughs> no, well, listen. This was insane because I was like, I'm watching the show, and I'm like, did Tony, did Tony Saragusa just say that like he wanted to beat up a taxi driver just, <laughs> no, just because the guy the was basically because he was a taxi driver? Like he was like he was like, hey, those people over there are kicking some stranger's ass, and I'm going <laughs> in, but I'm full. <laughs> That's yes. weird. That's exactly. <laughs> but I ate too much calamari, so uh, fuck it. This is Ray Lewis level nonsense. Is all I'm saying. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's oh, complete fine. garbage. Twenty. He saw twenty five fights walking around Boston that night. I don't think he did. Twenty five fights. Yeah. <laughs> you pissed off. By the way, I did once see a cab driver stab a guy in Kenmore <laughs> Square after a Red Sox game. But that's that was a whole other thing. Just. It was crazy. And it was after a playoff game, but but I don't think it was related to baseball. Was it a Yankee playoff game? No, it was oh. I think it was 07 or 08. They didn't play uh, the Yankees. It was it was they didn't play the Yankees either of those series. He was just really busy in Kenmore Square and the cab driver gave us a cab and somebody started yelling at him about it and then threw out some choice uh racial epithets and the guy, like who the guy was Middle Eastern, he uh, grabbed a device like a like a uh, um, just like an ice pick almost type thing. <laughs> and the other guy called him like some like anti-Muslim type slurs. And the guy grabs this thing and like stabs the guy with it, and then kicked us out of the cab. And I'm like, Jesus. what did we do? Just give me a ride. I don't care that you stabbed someone. I just want to get. I just got to get home. And uh, and uh, it, 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 I went for a long walk after that. That's about all I can say. <laughs> so maybe it was twenty five fights. Yeah, I would, I would much rather get a cab ride home from that dude. And be like, hey, you know, how did that? How do you feel now? Yeah, you feel better. <laughs> God damn. Well, I'd I'd say uh, this this game probably felt a lot like the. Um, Goose walking around Boston because it yeah, felt like a bit of a... of showing the injuries. Uh, I really appreciated the Giants were wearing white in this game because Why? the field was such a fucking sloppy mess that like everybody got covered in brown, and then you could see the fresh dudes come in and like, they're pristine <laughs> white, and even the commentators are calling them out. Yeah, there was some uh, wide receiver for the Giants at the end of the game when they're down two scores. And he took a run. They showed the replay. He took a run at Rodney Harrison. So Harrison just like threw him on the ground. And the guy tried to kick him in the face. And then ever like after that happened, Rodney was targeting him the entire game. It was the only guy, only wide receiver who was like completely like clean jersey. So like to the point where the commentator is like, why, why isn't he dirty? Like he's been playing. I guess he just hasn't done much. Did Rodney balled out in this game? Two interceptions. Yes. And he had like he nine or ten tackles too, I think. Yeah, he was all. Oh, I mean, let's be real—a fucking super sloppy, rain, mud game. 
that's where like Rodney Harrison thrives. Oh yeah. Yeah. This, this is de- like a slug fest like that is definitely his, his MO. Greg, what do you think? Uh, I think Tyrone pool had a good game personally. Also Roman Pfeiffer, 19 tackles. Hey. Tyrone pool had a strip on that fumble and he had a pick. Yep. Chris, Chris Berman said, he, uh, Tyrone Poole, he always plays well in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not bad. Yeah, there was, a, uh, there was a sequence where they kept dumping it off a of tiki, just like short, and Pfeiffer was wrecking him. Oh, I, it was like, Tiki, you got to talk to Kerry Collins and be like, stop. Oh, my God. Yeah, I wrote it down. I'm like, he's Kerry Collins is going to get Tiki sent to the hospital with these passes over the middle because they're just but, like, he's like, leading I, them into linebackers. There were times when there were issues between, like it was a feud between Barber and Strahan over really? their respective contracts for a while. Yeah. There were a handful of things going on between those two, like over the years. Mm. And I also remember that, like, I think Tiki left before 2007. And I don't think anybody liked him after. And I'm sitting there, like, it took a while. Like, there were a lot of damaged relationships after Tiki Barber left. And I'm sitting there watching this game, and I'm like, I don't think Kerry Collins likes him. <laughs> I don't think so either. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get him killed. I mean, Tiki Barber had the dirtiest jersey of everybody. Oh, my God, yeah. And that, I- that said, though, it's hard to make good throws when you're under constant pressure. And yeah. the the... The defensive front that the Patriots had is just insane. And watching Richard Seymour in this game, mm-hmm. he just completely changes the dynamic on every play. And having said that, yeah. like this defense was absolutely decimated with injuries too. Like you're yeah. starting Matt Chatham, right? Uh, because guys like Willie McGinnis aren't there, who was an absolute monster at this point. Like this is still, I think, peak Willie McGinnis era. Uh, Brewski went down for a while. Ty Law went out halfway through the game because he's been playing on a bad ankle for three, four weeks now. And like the offense was garbage because they have nobody. They like, the defense didn't matter. Because the, the field was so fucking sloppy and Ty had that ankle injury. So they were like, yeah. nah. And they put in uh, Antoine Harris, pride of Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. He had a couple of great plays. He had one where he like bent Shockey in half or Shockey didn't oh, see him. Yeah. He got him like right above the hip. And just small the bad and then that last interception (laughs) to see the to Eugene Wilson, it went right 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 through Antoine Harris's. I watched that and I was like, oh, that that interception's not Kerry Collins' fault. Then they showed the replay and I was like, oh, that was a Patriots player who (laughs) loved the catch and went the other. That's definitely Kerry Collins. Who the fuck is he throwing it to? Yeah, Dave, how do you feel about Kerry Collins? Because I I thought he played okay yeah. but when he misses a throw he fucking misses a throw he if it's by the sidelines like he misses, it's, territory it's, yeah it's like it's six rows deep if he misses it's like jesus christ it's not even so here's close. what i'll say here's what i'll say about Kerry collins is that you have to understand after phil sims we went through this like like dave brown who i mentioned he was supposed to be the next <laughs> guy that didn't work out after it was like kent graham uh there's danny cannell like these are all names you guys may have heard, but they're not guys that you want as your, as your quarterback. Nope. And it was a long kind of time in the wilderness, and all of a sudden, 
Kerry Collins, who had been, I believe, the first overall pick, uh, one of those, like '95 or whatever, yeah. the year that the, the year that the Panthers came into the league, they right. they picked Kerry Collins first. So high, highly touted prospect. He's supposed to kind of be a big deal. He had develops uh, a bit of a drinking problem while in Carolina. Things don't go well, and he winds up um, in kind of like a backup role with the Saints. Gets his act together, and the Giants kind of pick him up cheap. And all of a sudden, here's a guy. I think they said it in the, I think they said it in the broadcast at the time. There were only three Giants quarterbacks who had thrown for fifteen thousand yards, oh, that's and right. one of them is Kerry Collins. Yeah, and oh. and like he was a very stable, sturdy guy. Uh, got the team to a Super Bowl, and I'll tell you what, that 2000 season was so much fun. And it wasn't the Super Bowl. But in the NFC Championship, they, I think they won 42 to nothing or 41 to nothing. And it was just like over before halftime. And Collins was amazing. Look, he huh. threw for 300-something yards in this game, but also four interceptions. Yeah, let's take a break because there was also that like early drive where he's throwing on the run on third and goal. And Tiki Barber absolutely blows right by the jam and is alone in the end zone. And all he's got to do is he can just air it out, loft it out. doesn't matter really where he throws it except where he threw it behind and just was that the play when barber fell yeah yeah but barber yeah. fell because he was trying to get back to the ball because he because he threw it like five yards behind him yeah that, that was okay. a rough rough play I, I i didn't pay attention then to the replay because i saw a barber fell and i just thought it was on barber oh barber was um, wide the fuck open he, yeah he was Gary like have thrown that to the moon okay he still would have been standing underneath it. Okay, interesting. So I'll just say this. Look, Kerry Collins was in like, you know, going through all of these guys who just clearly were not the guy. And, and remember, quarterbacks weren't – they were important back then, but it, it wasn't a passing league. So there were other things right. you could do, and you could have a game manager. But Kerry Collins was something more than a game manager. He could make plays, and we just hadn't had a guy like that since Phil Simms. And so it at the very least felt like, and this I think is the, this is the criteria for me. Does your team have a quarterback that where, you, where he doesn't need to be Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't need to be Tom Brady, but he's the kind of guy that you feel like, yes, we could win a Super Bowl with him. Could he be Eli Manning level? And I felt like that with Kerry Collins. I felt like he could beat Eli Manning level. He got them to a Super Bowl, and they had to play against the greatest defense anyone's ever had to deal with. All right, so, enough of that. Not you know, right. one, certainly one hey, of them. Hey, Bats podcast here, not a Giants podcast. <laughs> hey, we, yeah, you did I, ask the question. Ravens can take us there. Well, the 2000 Ravens, though, were a pretty good defense. Like, they're, they're, in, oh, yeah. they're in that conversation of, of who's among the best. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, you have to go deal with the Ravens. That's a tough draw. If, if they'd had to go against um, – you know, that Raiders team from 2002, mm. maybe they do a little better. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, especially since, yeah, it was easy to figure out their play calls. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's uh, John Gruden is the only man who has ever defeated himself in the Super Bowl. All right. Yeah. Let's hear, since you're so old school Giants and everything, what about Jeff Fiegels? <laughs> yeah, who had been an Eagles punter and started with the Patriots. I didn't know yeah. he started the Patriots. No, me neither. 
drafted by the Patriots. And apparently and he had attempted field goal, right? Didn't he kick? They were talking about how he kicked a field goal last week or something like that. They he missed. Attempted. He had attempted a field goal a week before because Matt Bryant got hurt. Right. And um, and they picked somebody up and know. he got hurt. And then now they had some rando off the street kicking in this game. There you go. Who I didn't even write down his name because he wasn't worth it. Conway. Yeah, this is only ever field goal. Nick Conway? <laughs> so I, I couldn't hey. even tell you. <laughs> didn't matter to me. Yeah, he's over one in his life. Nice. Is under 29 yards too. This is a chippy. Yeah, I, I I've seen Wes Walker hit uh 29 yard field goals. Yep. He's yeah. also 0 for 8 passing in his career. <laughs> uh that's a tough look. It's a lot it's a lot of bad snaps, it sounds like. <laughs> it could be actually, yeah. <laughs> but he bounces it out with an absolutely amazing name. Feagles, especially when he's on Philadelphia. I mean, yeah. come on. That's what true. a matchup. Eagles of the Eagles. That's how I remember him. Yeah, I too. F Eagles. Yeah, <laughs> the Eagles for four years. Four in Arizona, five in Seattle, and then six to finish the Giants. He's the Giants more than anything. Steve. Steve, this is a Patriots podcast. He's on two for New England as well. We drafted him. <laughs> oh my god! This is more punter talk than I was expecting. Longest. Oh, of his yeah, no, we, we talk a lot about punters randomly for some reason. All right, well, that's fine. Uh, we're not going to talk about what's his face in this one though, because he's been pretty bad all season. So I'm not even going to say his name. Who, Greg? No. Uh, although speaking of, of bad um, special teams players, Lonnie Paxton in this game got called for a false start on the fake punt that the Patriots tried. Oh yeah. Uh, how how do you get called for a fake punt when you're the guy snapping the football? Isn't that just the start of the play? Yeah, I didn't get that either. And also, like, I hadn't seen a fake punt yet watching Unless all these games. They, they've tried it a few times, but they I keep think, getting penalties called on them or a timeout called. I think if you bob your head. It must be something move, like that. So if, you, if you move something other than the ball. He may have, like double uh, clutch the ball too. Yeah, if you move without moving the football, I think that's where your false start comes in. Yeah, but that like as a as a as a like his job is literally just to be the long snapper. You would think that's kind of all he practices is snapping a football all day. So the fact that he's the one getting called for the false start is a is a tough look. Okay, Andy. But how many how many of these how many snaps do you think Lonnie Paxton did in his career? A lot. I mean, how many field goals does Adam Vinatieri have? On the Patriots. And how many penalties? Like, you know, if he's 99% perfect, yeah, then, you know, lot. one in every hundred, this is going to happen. 99% ain't perfect, Dave. Just going to throw that out there. That's what I'm saying. If he's, if he's <laughs> 1% short of perfect, this is your 1%. It's, if right. it had been an ongoing problem, I don't think he would have been there as long as he was. That's is, true. Is it this year or next year where they have the huge long snapper problems? I think it's next year. Or maybe he gets hurt in I this I thought that season. was a one, wasn't it? No, no, no. Had issues with the long snapper? Panther Super Bowl. Maybe. Yeah, that, there's one yeah, no, Super Bowl. Maybe. So Lonnie Paxson must get hurt, and the guy they bring in has like a crazy roller coaster of a season snapping. The, so like there's that. more to come in the long snapping for I sure. So, yeah. um, which doesn't help because Adam Vinatieri has now, after missing his first field goal in this game, which was a 42-yarder in shitty conditions, but still, 
uh, is now has now missed four of his last five field goals, which when you think of Adam Vinatieri, you don't think of missing four out of the last five ever being a stat. Yeah, it's a tough stretch. It's probably the worst stretch you, he maybe of his, I mean, besides the Colts, but maybe of his yeah. Patriots career. I would, I would, I would assume so without having looked. Uh, on the other it's hand, though, I I will say that I'm going to bring it up again because my brothers gave me a lot of shit at the end of last season talking about how I thought Kevin Falk was the unheralded MVP of the 2002 season. I think he's still probably unheralded MVP of this season because as soon as he came into this game in the second half, he was. He, Again, he yeah. was the spark, yeah, and he's the one that lit this offense on fire. And as soon as he came in, they started driving up and down the field. There's another game, I forget which one, but he was also a spark plug. Where like they got, they had nothing going, they turned to him. He's yeah. like the new. It used to be Troy Brown was that spark plug, and now they're finding another one in, in Kevin Falk. Yeah, exactly. And well, he's I think like, I, I think that speed. Okay, so so I think Falk speed and rushing to the outside it changes the way the, the Giants have to defend them. And that opened things up for the offense because now they couldn't cheat, um, stay home a little bit because Mike Cloud just isn't as fast as Falk. It's true. Um, but Mike Cloud, uh, the week before this game, had himself a game. He had like, what, seven carries for 75 yards and two touchdowns or something? That right. looked like the next coming. Right. And this is all because Antoine it's, Smith is hurt. And Cloud gets it's another all situational. Yeah, it, it's all situational because Cloud was in the right place. He, he's the, he was the right person for that job the week before. Yep. And in this game, where, where the Giants had just—I mean, that was Giants had. This was two exceptional defensive lines. This yeah. game was all about these defensive lines. Yeah. And yeah. They, the Patriots needed that guy to come out through those outside rushes and kind of stretch that defense a little bit and make them, you know, um, you know, make settle them, them down a bit so that they couldn't. They could, it actually reminds me a little bit of what happened with Kansas City in the 2018 title game because when, when they ran Sony down the Chiefs' throats for the first drive, yep. the first Chiefs half. now had to, to, to back off a little bit and they couldn't just go after Brady kind of, you know. Um, yeah, couldn't just pin their ears Full throttle. And, yeah. Right, right. Exactly. And so that's what was going on here in the second half of the Giants, I think. Although I will say, Michael Strahan had two sacks in the game, and he was awesome. Michael and Strahan was two. This is peak Michael Strahan. He finished this season with 18 and a half sacks, which Ooh, you just like, don't like even 30, like, hear that yes. number anymore. But, but that's his second best season because he set right. a record a couple years earlier when he took, when um, Brett Favre kind of took yeah. that cheap sack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but but this year he comes back with 18 and a half, and he's like 33 years old. Okay, yeah, he was and drafted he was the same year as Bledsoe. Yeah, yeah, drafted the same year as Bledsoe, and he was the most. So if you look, if you stack up um, Pro Football Reference uh, tracks value under that um, AV oh, stat, yeah. if you look at the draft stat. Strahan had the most value of any player in that yeah, right? Yeah, let's let's he, lay off the Strahan love here on this previous podcast. Well, wait, and let me just say this: are the very Patriots far apart. Passed on him. His teeth are the very fast. That's true, but the Patriots passed on him twice because they had the number one overall pick, but they also had the first pick in the second round. Giants got them, I think, three or four picks after that. <laughs> yeah, but who did the Patriots pick in those picks? 
because they had some great drafts. Tom Brady. Their, no. their second round pick was pretty good. Yeah. I think, um, I think it was not. I think they picked an offensive line, though. Something like that. Matt Light, maybe. In, Someone like in 92. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, Speaking of K Fault, this was his career high in rushing yards. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, yeah. How many did he have? It was less than 96 or something like that. 87. Uh, 87. <laughs> this is career high. Add to that point, he might have another one, but I Googled it. He does not have a 100-yard rushing game in his career. Damn. Yeah. So yeah. take that MVP uh, and shove it up your ass, Andy. So, Well, all right, except he finished with 87 rushing yards. Brady finished with 91 passing yards. Oh, wow. So, Jeez, Brady didn't bring 100 yards passing in this game? Uh, well, actually, no, he did. They had 112, but with if you count in the sacks, they finished with 91 total passing gotcha. yards. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, so Kevin Falk was Chris the Chris Slade, by the way. Oh, Chris Slade. Chris Slade Chris was Slade. their second pick. Nice. Their second round pick. Slade. And Strahan went 40th overall. They can't win them all. Yeah, he's got to throw him a lot of darts on the board. Yep. You got to trade down and uh, take as many chances as you can, right? Do you see how the Patriots are trying to get Bethel Johnson involved? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. He it's was there. New, like, hurt, right? Uh, yes. Deion Branch is hurt in this game, as is Daniel Graham and Antoine Smith on offense. So the Patriots are rolling out Bethel Johnson and uh, Patton, and of course, Troy Brown. And Mike Cloud seemed to be their only running back in the first half, and then they sprinkled in some Larry Centers until Kevin Falk. Bethel Johnson uh, has awful hands. He he wasn't great. He's um, I mean he was great if he got the ball in his hands, but he couldn't fucking catch it. He's been a great kick returner this year, though. Yeah, no. Think... Well, they saw his flashes on kick returns. They're like, wow, he's fucking super fast and shifty. Yeah. We'll just find ways to get the ball in his hands. But like he, it's like Cordell Patterson. You know, he couldn't catch for shit either. I, I think Bethel Johnson can run better routes than Pat uh, Patterson, but yes. Just like, even if you get the ball to him, he's just going to drop it. Yeah. But on kick, I mean, Cordell Patterson just tied the NFL record for N- kick return touchdowns the other day. Was it a tie? Yeah, I know it was, it was his eighth, or second right? place. One of the two. Something like that, yeah. Which is pretty impressive. That's It's not bad. Uh, who else was in this game? Oh, Wayne Lucier was in this game. Who the uh, fuck is that, was, Andy? He's a lineman for the offensive lineman for the Giants. He is from New Hampshire, and they talked probably a bit too much about how he's oh. a Patriots fan, and he, he has a the old school Pat Patriot logo tattooed on his shoulder. I love that. Yeah, uh, that's a tough look when you're on the Giants playing the Patriots. Yeah, talking about how he had to had to bandage it, bandage it up. All right, so let's do uh, let's do our best and worst. Okay, uh, Dave. So uh, back when we were younger, around the dinner table, we'd have to give our best and worst of the day. So we now do that on the podcast, where we just pick our best and worst thing from the game. Uh, Steve, do you want to go first? I get a couple, so you can go first. Actually, all right. Or actually, Dave, do you want to go first? Yeah. I know we kind of sprung this on. I, I want to. I want to see what you guys do. Come back to me at the end. I want to see how this goes. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do Greg's because he had, he had to he had to run. He something came up, but he he did leave his best as worst. Greg's best of the game is Jim Fassel saying, "When it rains, it pours." About their turnovers, 
which is <laughs> it's raining out. Yeah, I get it. it it's clever wordplay, but uh, eh. all right. Uh, and his worst is that Kerry Collins threw 59 times in this game and managed to rack up an entire seven points because that is tough. <laughs> and it wasn't um, like they were down big either. You know, it's even better. Uh, they didn't even score seven points. They scored six. The <laughs> That's true. One cold. in the first quarter, one in the fourth quarter. Oh, and outside there, yeah. there was nothing. Woof. Woof. Yeah. <laughs> and he had the touchdown at Diggy. Just fucking totally. Yeah, that he missed. Um, let's see. I got a couple of best here. Uh, one of my best was in one of the game breaks. They went to the Cowboys Eagles game, and the <laughs> yeah. Eagles attempted a surprise onside kick. Which the Cowboys, uh, I don't even know who he was. I couldn't remember the name. Some, some Williams, maybe. Uh, caught the ball uh, in foot in stride and returned it for an untouched uh, kickoff return touchdown. It was the opening against the Eagles. Like, against the Eagles, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Hold on a second. Are you serious? For the Cowboys, yeah. they it was said. one of the game breaks during the game where, yeah, they, the Eagles did a surprise onside kick. I, it may I have even been to start the game, yeah. And uh, because like, the one of the Cowboys Giants did that. The Giants really? did that to the Eagles just a year or two before this. In a, I think it was I think it was in uh, 2000 because they beat the <laughs> were... Eagles in the playoffs that. And, and this was during the they beat the Eagles three times I think that year. Okay. And Jason Seahorn was on, on a hands team, and the Eagles was late in the game. They had to do an onside kick that the Giants were expecting, and they just kicked a line drive to Jason Seahorn and he ran it in. <laughs> Apparently, the announcer was saying that. The Eagles had done this the last time they played the Cowboys, and it had worked. It was the first kick of the what? game. Yeah, <laughs> oh, kick okay. off, okay. Okay. Tries onside kick. So, like, uh, clearly the Cowboys right had watched fucking film and be ready for it, and the dude was ready for it. Caught it on the bounce, yeah, and just see you later. At a full sprint and just like deficit. untouched. Yep. Yeah. Be What's awesome. the worst that could happen? I don't know. You go down seven fucking nothing with like two seconds into the game. Yeah. <laughs> So that was that was that, that was one of my up best. there for one of the quickest scores in NFL history. Think about it's it. It's probably close, yeah. Because he caught that pretty much full sprint, just grabbed it off the opening kick, and is in in there for like forty yards later. Yeah, I mean the only, yeah, the only quicker score I can think of is when during the butt fumble game when the Jets returned that kickoff and the ball popped out and uh, Edelman yeah. caught it and just like walked it in for a touchdown. That was probably quicker from like kickoff to score, but it was at the beginning of the game. So right, right. I mean, I guess that probably might have happened, but yeah. yeah. Sure yeah that, was, that was a that was a that was a quick one. Um let's see. Oh, I also I touched on this before. I really enjoyed all the fullback talk by Moose Johnson. Sure. Apparently, I looked up Moose Johnson and he is he was so good as a fullback that he's the reason. Uh, there is like a fullback position in the Hall of Fame now. Right, they basically created sweet. it for it to get him in, and now there's fullbacks in in the Hall of Fame because of him. So that's not. Fair. What a, I mean, I'm assuming Moose isn't his actual name. No, his name is Daryl, but they okay. call him Moose just because of how big he was. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Um. Let's see. My worst. I think my worst would be Tiki Barber, because. He like from that first fumble, 
he looked like he was a basket case, like mentally. You could see every time yeah. they showed a close-up of his face and stuff, he just looked like he didn't want to be on that football field, which you don't ever really see in a football player anymore. And it just kind of like there was a whole lot of like little pieces like that that maybe why this team fell apart because it, it almost felt like Jim Fossil was losing the the locker room. Like they kept talking about like these little things here and there, like uh, Vasante Shanko was tossed from practice this week. They didn't explain why, but they're like, oh yeah, this sort of stuff has been happening with the Giants. And like, uh, like kind of talking around the issues that the Giants were having in the locker room without actually really addressing any of them. And so just the whole, you know, Tiki talking all week about playing mentally tough and then immediately giving up the fumble kind of like not a great look. Um, I mean, it was great to watch though. Yeah. I also, I don't remember what this clip is because I didn't mark it. He's going to play it as well. Is it? Yeah. So it, I right. just have uh, it's checkers and chess compared to Jim Fassel, Jim Fossil. Um, <laughs> I mean, on this. So let's find out what this is. Bill Carollo went over for a chat with Jim Fossil. New York oh. tried to challenge the ruling on the field in the prior play. However, the ball was smacked before the bus. That's right. So, um, so the Patriots completed a long pass down the sideline to Pat, which was a sick grab. It was, and it, it would have stood if that if would have been, been a bad challenge. Yeah, it oh, would have yeah. been. But the fact that he that Jim Fossil tried to challenge it two plays later, because the Patriots ran up and Brady ran a QB sneak so that they couldn't, is like that's the exact. Those are like those small little things that Bill Belichick teaches his team that like other coaches don't think about. You know, that's true. You don't see too many QB sneaks when they try to run the quick play. They always just get a play. Just get up there, get a playoff so that they can't challenge it. If it's close, we don't, we don't care if it's correct, the correct call or not. Like we're not going to find out. We're just going to like put the pressure on them to do that. Right. Right. And like everybody everybody does it now, but like Belichick was the one that. Yes. Did you hear in that ref's explanation? This is back when they had the buzzers. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Instead of the flags. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think they have both. Because this is what Belichick does, is that he thinks these things through because he knows they're going to happen in the game. And right. so many times we see the league catch up later. The big one that comes to mind yeah. for me is deferring on the kickoff. Yep. Yeah, that's a big one. No one else did that. No Nobody one else was did, doing yeah. that regularly. When, that, yeah. when they changed the, they the coin toss rule, and Bill started immediately yeah. deferring. And now deferring is standard. Yeah. yeah. That's a good if point. Don't do it. And now weird. running up to the line, running up to the line to snap the ball so the other team can't review is standard as is trying to get a timeout in to prevent the, the offense from doing that. Yep. Um, there's a little bit of gamesmanship now. Or, or even in this game, you saw it too, where uh, towards the end of the half, um, like out of a break, the the Giants would come out to to run a play, and they would line up, and then uh, Belichick would immediately call a timeout and make them have to change what play they're doing, and also be able to prepare their yep. defense specifically for this, like all the different things that could happen in this this situation. Well, I'm Greg. I'm I mean, glad Greg isn't here to shit on Belichick because he was texting me this week about how he should have declined some offsides penalty during the Ravens game. Greg. Yeah, Greg's Greg's too much of a fence sitter for me. 
This is a <laughs> dynasty podcast. All right, oh, I'll give you my best and worst. All right, well, I got one more. Um, oh, God. It's just the worst, and it was uh, the the Fox broadcast when they were trying to show the um, the starting lineups at the beginning. The the Patriots <laughs> one with all the, the backs and receivers was empty. It had Michael yeah. Cloud in there and a picture of Troy Brown, but no names. Tough it had look. all sorts of technical issues. Wasn't great. Was one where like the the fucking they tried to like drop down the timeouts, whatever, and it just like glitches over and over and over again. Yeah. It was like yeah. Yeah. Noise. it just buzzed and then yeah. and then went away. It was so yeah. bizarre. It was very strange. Yeah, it was it was a rough outing for the the Fox team. So what do you got, I, Steve? Two best, two worst. Which right. ones do you want? How do you want them? Uh, you, want one, I like you want two worst and then two best. So you, you tell me, I'll deliver them. Give me best first and then worse. Uh, this is Matt Chatham's best game. Correct. Fumble recovery for a touchdown. He had a good pl- sack. He had a sack and a, a tack- tackle for a loss. He was kind of all over the backside of the backfield. I thought he played super well. And like, you know, he's getting that spot start and he showed up. Yep. And uh, we talked to Matt about that and showed him all his stuff and, Oh yeah, that's right. Nice to see that. Like, and we, I know this, this game was coming up, you know, from that interview we did with him, and mm-hmm. it was cool to like see it actually in play, even if it was a terrible game to actually watch. Yeah. And then my real best was, uh, or my other best, we'll call it. <laughs> Good save. Was uh, the must like must have been a Caroline Blue in the stands at halftime, oh, you know, because <laughs> they couldn't catch a fucking ball in the first <laughs> goddamn half. And all of a sudden, they come out in the second half, and they're like, well, that that dumb broad who's been drinking all day, Colin, <laughs> you guys got to start catching them, too. I don't and know, because Cam Newton wasn't in this game, so I don't know if that's, that's the case. dropping fucking balls all, all game, which but is I like nice. how you're bringing back Cam Newton erotica. In, yeah. In, uh, yeah, three weeks later. <laughs> Six weeks later, Jesus Christ, good for you. Uh, <laughs> what are you your know, worst? The, there was a play where Brady was in the, in the red zone. And had a crossing route on third down to uh, what's his oh, name, the yeah. fullback, and just fucking Larry beyond, just like he like didn't even try to get out of the way. Nope, hit him square in the like, chest. It was like he wasn't expecting the ball to come be thrown right at him. Yeah, you know he's like, oh shit, a ball. You know, <laughs> come on, buddy, get your head on a swivel a little bit. And then and then the commentators talked about how even he couldn't catch a ball and he was dropping him. <laughs> yeah, because at that point, Brady, I think, was still one for nine <laughs> with four drops. It's brutal. It was a tough look, yeah. And then there is like a a triple sack where Collins got like wrecked. Oh it's yeah, mile, right. Klecko caught him in the head. Yeah, and it wasn't like a super dirty hit. Um, no, but I don't know if you noticed this. The commentators reference a hit in the preseason by Bill Romanowski. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. And I, I actually I Googled it right when we started this podcast. I don't know if you saw my face. It's ridiculous. Really? Yeah. Bill Romanowski breaks Kelly Collins' jaw. It's on YouTube. It's five seconds long. Oh, God. It, it is an abs. And to think this is the fucking preseason is insane. Well, that's Bill Rom- Bill Romanowski was a fucking psychopath. So that doesn't really it, surprise me. So it took his head off, broke his jaw in two places. Holy shit. Yeah. In the God. fucking preseason. In the preseason. God, and like, That's I mean, like, Klecko like, caught him. Like, it was actually kind of the same spot right on the chin. But like, yeah. Romanowski got him like full head of steam, clean, 
where fucking Klecko just like, it was like a bang, bang sort of play. Well, just to go off that, uh, I had a note from that play too. Um, uh, and it was that Kerry Collins looks like a failed stand-up comedian with his helmet off. <laughs> okay. Because he was like moderately attractive, <laughs> but like completely disheveled. Yeah. And that like looked like he'd been on the road for six weeks and like hadn't shaved or, or showered very well for a while and just looked completely burnt out, like dead behind the eyes sort of look. Well, I, like, I bet he could give you a type five. Nine passes and get six points out of the whole effort. So <laughs> I could true. definitely understand that. He, yeah. he kind of looked, he's one of those guys like Jim Brewer. Yes. He always looks like he's high. Yes. Right. He had a very you know Jim I mean? Brewer-esque yeah. look. I think that's probably who I pictured in my mind when I, when I wrote that down. Oh, so you think Jim Brewer's failed. I got it. Yeah, that's, that's curious. Well, Man. is Kerry Collins funny? I mean, not Chris Rock, I but <laughs> I think that Kerry Collins and Jim Brewer are pretty much in the same boat uh, in terms of career success. So what you're saying is, is Kerry Bolton... Collins is the Jim Brewer of quarterbacks? Sure. Let's do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm in for this. Uh, all right. You got a best and worst, Dave? Okay. I, I mean, I don't... Normally, I would just not copy somebody but and, and not be redundant, but I, I don't want to lose sight of how bad Tiki Barber was in the game. Mm-hmm. And he deserves to get like a double whammy at least on worst. I would agree. Because, with look, I mean, you, you set it up perfectly with the clip about how Tiki Barber's out there saying how tough they have to be. And he's yeah. the first guy with the ball on the ground. And <laughs> you know what I mean? In the worst situation, gives it seven. And then it's just... A complete disaster. He's a uh, shell. Trying yeah. to protect the ball for the rest of the game and just not playing like himself. And, and you know, thankfully Tom Coughlin got him back on track. But, you know, he wasn't even there by, by 2007. Like, Tiki Barber is one of those guys who, like, I don't know, just, just a, real, has a real frustrating star to have on your team. And this game – went a long way in showing why because you can see the guy is super talented but man there's just some things that happen that it, it just drive me nuts as a fan so almost like yeah. some parallels to like a terry glenn on the patriots i would feel sure maybe i i, I wasn't as involved when glenn was here so that he was similar that was like super talented but just but... a basket case and couldn't keep himself on the field just because he couldn't get out of mm-hmm. his own head basically so for all of our listeners who are like, who the fuck is Jim Brewer? Like me. Like, <laughs> really? Damn, I'm terrible with names. He's the guy from uh, Half Baked. Yeah. The white guy. There you go. But yes, my the, God, the fucking Chappelle. spitting image. Yeah. Him and Carrie Collins. Had right? Oh my. They could be. Dead on. <laughs> they definitely ridiculous. related somehow. I'll take that 23 and me and figure out how far back that goes. Because <laughs> that connects. Imagine it was the same person. <laughs> when did how he's high moonlight, he's moonlighting yeah. as a as a stoner comic on the on the weekends, the weekdays. <laughs> he's hanging out with Dave Chappelle on fucking Monday through Friday, and then Fuck going yeah. out and throwing four picks on 50, Sunday. Yeah, fifty nine passes and four picks, no big deal. Uh, so is that your best or worst, Dave? I yeah, assume that right? was your worst, right? That's my worst. Tiki okay. Barber worst. So the best, Mark Navarro. Because yeah. When you when you talk about Jeremy Shockey, you never really talk about the national broadcast. You never really talk about 
Mark Bravaro because he was yeah. like the greatest Giants tight end before Shockey. And really still is in the mind of the Giants fans. He's a man. Okay. And in, in the and mind of Bill Belichick, for, too, for that matter. BB loves him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. the thing about Bravaro is that, like, he's a real hands in the dirt, like, tough guy who's super classy. And they cut yeah. to him on the sideline. And he's talking with Sergius, and he's like, he's like, hey, you know, I, I hear you, uh, you hang out and you, you coach and you, you, you help out. He's like, I'm just glad that Belichick is gracious enough to let me yeah. do it. And I was like, Yes, Mark Bravaro, you are awesome. Yeah. He's like, I'll do anything for I'll a free t-shirt. T-shirt. Yeah. Like, I'll work yeah. anywhere for a free T-shirt. Like, like, fuck yeah. Yeah, he's like, I'm here for T-shirts, and I'm glad. I'm glad that I get the privilege of getting a T-shirt to help these people out. Like, yeah, that was awesome. He was a, that was a great moment for me. Uh, Mark Bravaro on the sidelines, and plus the, the Patriots love him too. Who? Everybody. This is the thing. Everybody loves Mark Bravaro. There's nobody who's not like I have. A, I grew up with. Uh, a fan, uh, my one of my best friends growing up, loved Washington. I don't know why. He grew up here probably because Joe Gibbs era, they won yeah. three Super Bowls. He had an autographed picture of Mark Bavaro on his wall in his bedroom. Ah, Everybody awesome. loves Mark Bavaro. Just that guy, yeah. So here's my point, though. Shockey is not that sort of tight end, you know, because he's no, so polarizing. No. And I hate Shockey. So maybe Mark Bavaro is the original Gronk. Yes. Because everybody loves Gronk. No, 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 no. You don't think everybody loves Gronk? Gronk. Trust me. Everybody loves Gronk. Gronk's like happy. Yeah, that's true. But Gronk's like a happier version of Shockey. And the reason Shockey isn't Kelsey is because he can block. Kelsey and Shockey are very similar because, like, I fucking hate Kelsey, too. (laughs) Yeah. Because he's a a bit of a dude. I did something good. Shockey is an asset in the run game. The guy can block. He's much like Gronk. Like... I'm Kelsey, just saying, Gronk is terrible at it, but if you start with Shockey, and yeah. then you want, to, and then you improve everything, yeah, you make him taller, faster, and stronger, and more yeah. like, yeah. and, and more can crush likable. more natty yeah. lights, yeah. and like remove the douche yes. from him. Well, I, I think yeah. there's still there's still a, a douche vein in Gronk. Yeah, but like the lovable douche part, not the canoe part. Yeah, he, he's more like that asshole golden retriever that's shitting on the rug, but it's still funny, so it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just a dog being a dog. What are you going to be mad at, you know? <laughs> Listen, Mark Bavar was great. That's the point. Agreed. It's a great best. I, I, I can get behind that. Even I can get behind that. Yeah, all right. Well, I think that wraps it up for uh, week six of the 2003 season. Uh, oh, don't forget, we still have a hotline. Steve, you remember the hotline number? Uh, 603 505 Troy Brown for three. Nice. 505-8043. Area code 603, baby. So you can text or call that and leave us a voicemail or leave us a text. And if you do that, we may or may not. I'm going to be in fucking podcast. jail. And they're going to be like, you have one phone call, Steve. <laughs> I don't remember any numbers, but I know this number. I know, the, I know our Dynasty Podcast hotline. <laughs> oh, fuck. So, yeah, so if you have, if you have any feedback for, for me and Steve or for Dave, for any of the Browns, really, Ooh, let us true. know. And we, will, uh, and we will share it with the appropriate Brown. Uh, except for Greg, because he keeps leaving us. Fuck that guy. But Dave, thank you very much for coming on. This has been great. It's been awesome to have a a Giants perspective. Um, and I think you bring it. Uh, my my pleasure. Come find me. 
Come find me in 2007. There's a couple uh, of yeah, we'll, we'll find you for the first one, but uh, I, I think the podcast is actually going to end at the NFC Championship. <laughs> I don't way, think it goes any further. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited because I was at both of those games, and I'd love to talk about them. So oh, we if may you, have to do if that. Either or both, I don't care, but um, but don't uh, don't lose my number when you get to 2000. <laughs> All right, no promises. If we do get there, though, you will be the yeah, first right. to know. Big yeah. bet. All right. Uh, what do we have next week, Steve Brown? I have no idea, dude. Awesome. You never do. I love that about you. You tell uh, me next guy puts together those fucking ridiculous show, show notes, notes that, that nobody reads except one for person every guest appearance reads. I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> next week. Uh, oh, by the way, next week, episode 50. That will be our 50th episode. No shit. So thanks to my Brown brothers for actually um, not only doing the six that I asked, uh, but also another 40 by brown brothers you need me because like greg's not even on right now yeah all right so to you steve a heartfelt thank you for for being here for you're welcome man you did give me a free hat so i'm in on that that's true yeah i did <laughs> um, i'll do anything for a free t-shirt i'm like mark Navarro, <laughs> baby. i agree all right next week uh pages travel to miami oh ooh. That's a, that's a hard place for us to win, as we it know. It is. So let's see if this is what happens. Next week on no, the... Stomp everybody for like the next whatever. It's the best. I love this. Thanks podcast. for ruining my outro, Steve. I appreciate it. That's awesome. Yeah, well, shut up, Stepping yeah. all over it. <laughs> well, you can listen to more bickering between the Brown brothers and a recap of the Patriots-Dolphins game next week on the Patriots Dynasty podcast. See you later. See you later.